0: Many of us have watched as young Greg Heffley has grown up right before our eyes. Some of you don't know Greg Heffley, but he's the wimpy kid of the Diary of a Wimpy Kid books and movies, right? And the first time many of us were introduced to Greg Heffley was in his first movie, right before his first day of middle school. Now, do the best you can Try to remember middle school, how awkward everything is, how confusing things can be, how intimidating even middle school could be. It's a good thing for old Greg Heffley that he had his older, older brother Roderick there to help him, because you know older brothers are always there to help, right? Roderick had some advice for his younger brother. He tells him it's real simple. Don't talk to anyone. Don't look at anyone. Don't go anywhere. Don't sit down. Don't raise your hand. Don't go to the bathroom. Don't get noticed. Don't choose the wrong locker. Don't, ah, who am I kidding? You'll be dead or homeschooled by the end of the year anyway. Oh, we love our older brothers. Don't we, Brianna? Brianna? Yes, we do. We love our older brothers. Now, whether you're Greg Heffley or not, whether you remember Very well, middle school. Put yourself in his position the first day of middle school. How helpful is his older brother's advice? You can talk to me. It's okay. How helpful is his older brother's advice? Not very helpful at all, is it? Well, here's the thing. See, people, they get through their first day of middle school. They get through middle school, and they go through school, and they grow up. Most of them, right? Or at least they get older. Whether they grow up or not, they all have lives. In their lives, they all have other things that confuse them. Or other things that worry them. Or frustrate them. Or bring anxiety to them. Or make them fearful. They have other things in their lives that break them. Other things in their lives that just leave them feeling... Unfortunately, I have found that, well, much of the advice that people in those kind of situations have gotten from the church have sounded a lot like Greg's older brother. Oh, well, you know, you're in this situation. I hate to be the one to say, I told you so, but I told you so. Or, you know, if you just stop being or stop doing. You wouldn't be in this situation right now. If you would have gotten yourself right with God, none of this would be going on right now. Y'all with me? Now, put yourself in one of those kinds of uh, situations that are confusing, one of those things that are fearful, one of those situations like that. How much does that advice help you? Not too much. So why is it? church is real good giving that kind of advice? I don't know. I don't know. What happens is when that's the kind of advice that we're all about giving, we give people an impression about what goes on in here. We give people an impression about what that really means. And the impression that I have found so many people outside of the church have of this is that this is all about no, 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 no. And our faith is all about what we can't do and everything that we're doing wrong. Now, to be fair, be sure, there are no's of faith, right? We have our thou shall not, don't we? But I want to remind you or give you two reminders of the no's of faith. Two reminders about the thou shall not or the stop doing whatever. Two reminders about those things that I think are important for us today. To be fair, we have those no's and the Hebrew word lo, L-O, literally translate for us uh, to no or not. Lo, that Hebrew word, is what's used in the Ten Commandments, right? So lo, adultery, no adultery. Lo, idols, no idols. Lo, stealing, no stealing. There are no's in our faith, right? Y'all with me? I got y'all? Y'all with me? Okay, there are no's. But then we also have passages like we read today from Ephesians, where this is presumably the Apostle Paul writing to the Ephesian church, and he tells them that thieves should stop stealing, right? Should stop doing something. So the no's and the thou shalt not's and the stop doing's, they are there. But what's interesting to me is that both of those examples, the Ten Commandments and our passage from Ephesians, um, neither one of those are Bible tracts. Neither one of those were written to convert anybody. Neither one of those were written to pagans or anybody from any other religion. The Ten Commandments from the Ephesians are written to people like us. The Ten Commandments were given to the people, the Hebrew people, that God brought out of slavery under Pharaoh. The Ephesian letter is thought, one, to be maybe a letter directed towards one particular church, or it's more of a general church that was meant to be spread from church to church to church. Either way, it wasn't written for somebody else. It was written for people of God like you and like me. Y'all with me? See, these weren't rules to tell people out there what they were doing wrong. What these were, were ways for us in here to learn how to live life together the way God wants us to live life together. Y'all with me? That's a subtle distinction, but we need to have that in our minds. These are written not to anybody else except us. And when someone is a part of a new community, like the Hebrews were, now that they were no longer under slavery, they were a part of a new community. The Ephesians, if you read the whole letter, you would hear about everything that they used to be. And we know that when someone is being brought, being a part of a new community, we show them to do here. Every year, in preparation for the upcoming NFL season, which starts, by the way, in just about a month, right? Go Eagles. Um, Preseason, yeah. Okay. Go Eagles, though, anyway. I won't take that back. But every year, a couple months or so, every incoming player, every player who's there for the first year has to attend a mandatory rookie symposium. Now, this is a four-day meeting for anybody entering into the NFL for the very first time. Now, I've never been a part of any of these meetings. Hard to believe, I know. But from what I gather, we could sum up the theme of those meetings this way. You're a millionaire. Now what? Because what what they've seen happen is that people have come into the NFL, or more better said, They have come in to a load of cash, this new lifestyle, which nobody has prepared them for. And sometimes the consequences are pretty bad. I'm sure that the NFL has every player's best interest at heart, but I know also that the NFL just says, you know what, we don't want to have to deal with that, y'all. So we're going to tell you now what you should know about playing with us, about being a millionaire. Y'all with me? In the same way, I think we can say that the no's and the thou shall not and the stop doings are kind of our way of doing the same. Except it's not to keep us in line. It's not to make sure that we're being the right kind of player for an organization. No, it's to teach us what grieves. What grieves the Holy Spirit? Think about that. The way that adultery can grieve a spouse. The way that the ill actions of a wayward child can grieve parents. The way that addiction can grieve a family. The way that... Best friend's words or actions can grieve another best friend. In that way and so much more can our failings grieve the Holy Spirit. You see, these rules aren't meant to keep us in line. They're to show us what it means to live in the community of God under the love of God. Because the community of God, under the love of God, is supposed to be different from anything out there. Y'all with me? Now you know this as much as I know this. Sadly, sometimes it isn't any different from anything that's out there. But it's to show us what grieves the Holy Spirit so that we can live together as God's people Under the love of God. I'll say all that so I can say this. The first reminder about our no's and our thou shalt not's and our stop doing this or that is to remind us that our actions or our inactions have bearing on our relationships with each other and on our relationship with God. There's something else we can be reminded of as well. Uh, say this with me. They're in the church. They are in the church. They're in the church. Ready? Presumably, the Apostle Paul is writing the, uh, writing the letter of Ephesians, remember, to a faith community or to a church. He's writing it to them, right? So it's really funny because then he says uh, thieves should stop stealing, Okay? So, if he's writing to a church or a faith community, let me ask you something. Where are the thieves? They're in the church, aren't they? <laughs> Woo! I'm going to have fun with this. Uh, where are the people who are letting the sun go down on their anger? Yeah, don't point fingers. Where are the bitter people at Paul's talking to? Where are these people that are so unforgiving? Where are these people that can't get along? Where are these wrathful, wrangling, and slandering people at? Yeah, yeah. But isn't that wonderful? I don't know if you think it's wonderful. I think it's fabulous. Because let me tell you, let me tell you how the thinking usually goes. once I get my act together, then I'll start praying. Once I get things figured out and and I settle myself down, then I know God will listen. Once I get myself right, then, then, then I'll go to church. Friends, uh, if that is your mentality or anybody else that you know, um, good luck with that. Because the point is, can try all you want, that we're still going to have that stuff in us. It's part of who we've become. But the good news is we don't have to get ourselves together, get ourselves right before God is willing to listen to us. And we surely don't have to get ourselves right before we can ever step foot in here. Where are all those people? So something about those no's and those thou shalt not's and those stop doing this is that They are reminders to us that God is always doing something new. Because those thieves are no longer out there thieving. Well, now they're in here thieving. But you know what? They've heard. And they're here. They're a part of what God is doing in here. They are part of the people that Presumably, Paul said in chapter 1, I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. And for this reason, I do not cease to give thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. Paul giving thanks for a bunch of thieving, blithing, backstabbing, unforgiving people. Can you imagine that? You better. Because that's who we are. God says, let me show you who I am. And we learn. We learn to live this faith together. We learn to realize what that means for us and what it means for the world. We learn to live as God wants us to live. And what we realize is that everything we do then is a response. See, we... we, we, I know, you got up early this morning, or maybe not so early, but you got up this morning, and you said, ha, I'm going to church. So, you know, you got up, you brushed your teeth, you got yourself all pretty, looking all spiffy and shiny, all even looking really good, and you said, hmm, now I'm going to go get in my car, and I'm going to go drive to work. You made that decision, didn't you? Because here you are. Congratulations. When I think about that, all I can think about in response is, Jesus' words to his disciples. You didn't choose me. I chose you. Everything we decide to do, the fact that we are here this morning, I know you drove yourself, I know you got here, but we are only here because of what God has already done you with me? And we are here then to learn what it means to be the people of God. We are here by the grace of God. Now, I say all that because we need to know with those no's and thou shalt nots" and you better stop doing this, what they really mean for us. But then I also want to tell any of you who are going through those life's uh, life's uh, difficulties, going through those things that are worrying you, that are bringing, uh, bringing you fear or making you anxious, those things that have got you wondering why, or those things you can't make sense of. Because we all go through those times, don't we? Friends, all of us have to realize that through all of those times in life, we can learn to look for the new that God is doing. The new that God is doing. And as we do so, us wimpy kids, we can find comfort. Us thieves, we can find grace. We can find new life. We can find new faith, new understanding, Maybe we can find new strength to go through. The point is, as we see the new that God is doing, God continually brings you here and here. So let's have a spiritual exercise. Everybody take a hand. Pick a hand, any hand. Your left hand or, my, or your right hand. Pick a hand. Get it loose. Come on, get it loose. Okay. Say this in your mind. Repeat this to yourself when you're worried tomorrow, when you're fearful tomorrow. God is doing something new. Here and here. God is doing something new. Would you pray with me, please? Oh God, you have promised us new life have promised us that uh, your word would sustain us, that the bread of life would nourish us always. But unfortunately, God, there have been many times in our life when we have found other ways to cope, when we have dealt with life's struggles and confusions in other ways other than trusting in you. But today, God, we pray for that newness of life that you promised. Pray that you would help us to see the new thing that you are doing all around us. And may that newness bring us peace.